You're listening to the Sunday podcast from Life Point Church in Santan Valley, Arizona. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. For more information, visit us online at lifepointaz.com. Well, hello. Good morning. Hello to everybody watching online as well. Welcome to Life Point Church. We are so glad to have you. Um, if you would, in preparation for what I'm about to do, grab your Bibles. Open to Jeremiah 31, and we'll be in verse 31. Before we do that, I did something a little bit different this time, uh, which many of you have noticed, is you have a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper is a whole bunch of stuff. Well, as I was preparing for this message uh, on the covenants, as we go into this new series on covenant, the Lord revealed to me a whole bunch of cool stuff. And I, I absolutely, positively love covenant theology, the study of God's covenants throughout the Bible. It, it, it just brings me sheer joy. And in this... Uh, I was going through all these terms, and I'm writing down my notes, and, and I'm going, wow, these are a lot of things. You know what? I'm just going to create a study guide for you all, and hopefully in the next 30 minutes or so, it will whet your appetite enough that you will engage in your own study on the covenants in the Bible. Because to cover the covenants of the Bible, I basically would have to preach through the entire Bible. I, I mean, really, that's, that's like the whole Bible is covenant, 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 right? And so we're going we're gonna to do this from a 50,000-foot view. We're going to do a flyover really quick. Hopefully, again, this will whet your appetite a little bit to do this on your own. I know it's crazy that we're not just, remember, we're the, we're the, we're the personal trainers. Remember, to, to give you a little bit to work on, give you some homework, go home and work out. Um, uh, anyway, so that's what we're going to do today. And we'll start in Jeremiah 31, and that's going to kind of be a pivot point. And I'll explain it in just a second what's going to happen. But let's pray first. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, it is your word that is revealed to us so that we can know you better and we can be in relationship with you better. You revealed yourself in creation as I watched the, the video on the screen of the waves moving back and forth. I'm just reminded that you, you tell each and every little wave where to go. You direct every little thing on this planet and hold us together in this universe. And you loved us so much that you said, here, here, here's my word and how you can know me better. God, we thank you and glorify you. We glorify your name. We glorify your word. God, as I give this message today, may it just empty me of me, giving, giving nothing but your Holy Spirit poured out. May ears be open, hearts be softened to hear the message that you have for all of us today. God, it is in the name of Jesus we do this and all things. Amen. Okay. What's a covenant? I mean, so this new series is the covering of the covenant, uh, where we've been. And the point of this is we're going to talk, as this series goes on, I'll be talking about life points, covenant process. But before we get into that, we have to establish the biblical foundation for covenant. Now, as I look around the room, myself and a lot of people in here are married. Right? That is probably the most recognizable covenant in, in all cultures, as, in, as far as the Christian church in everywhere in the world goes, is the covenant of marriage. Right? We recognize it for what it is, what it's not. And so hopefully each one of you, when you came in, got one of these. If you did not get one of these, raise your hand. I have my son in the front row who will be happy to bring you one if you did not get one because you're going to need it to follow along. 
Um, there's a lot of, I was going to do this to Joe last night, uh, our worship uh, pastor, and say, hey, uh, here's all the verses and all the funky Hebrew words I got for you. Make sure they all get on the screen. Thanks. And I was like, no, I'll just type up a study guide. And, it, and again, hopefully, my prayer is that you can use this as a kind of a jumping off point into your own study, into the covenant theology that is found in the Bible. It is so awesome. I love it. I, I really, truly do. Sam, there's one over there, one right here, right? Um, so as we get into this, a covenant in its simplest terms is a contract, right? It's an agreement between two parties with terms and conditions and, and things like that. And in ancient Near East culture, covenants, this is not a uniquely Hebrew or uniquely Christian or uniquely biblical concept. It's almost like the God of the universe was consistent with all cultures, all of creation, and said there's covenants. So let's read Jeremiah 31, 31, and this is... Behold, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version if you're curious. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Now, before we understand the new covenant, which this is foreshadowing, Jeremiah is talking about, let's go back to the very beginning of Genesis and start understanding the old covenants. All throughout Tanakh, we have different covenants. There's seven major covenants. And Tanakh, if you did not know it, it's in front of you. It's an abbreviation, T-N-K. Torah, Nevi'im, Ketuvim. The law, the prophets, and the writings. This is how the Hebrew Bible is organized. And so if you ever see that word Tanakh, that's just a way of saying the Old Testament. So there's lesson number one. So the Tanakh, all throughout this, it shows all these different covenants, and we're going to break into these covenants and explain them a little bit. I, I, I really wish, when, when I got the uh, uh, message from the other pastors, say, hey, you're, you're going to open up the covenant series with a little bit of background. The professor is in, right? We're going to have a little lesson. Uh, I said, great, I got like two hours. I said, no, you got like 30 minutes. I was like, wow. <laughs> Okay, uh, God, I need your help <laughs> because this is, you know, the teacher in me. I already gave you a handout. I mean, come on. All right. So a covenant from the Hebrew word berit, or berit, means, quote, an agreement enacted between two parties in which one or both make promises under oath to perform or refrain from certain actions stipulated in advance. In ancient Near Eastern culture, including Hebrew culture, uh, this would typically take on the form of a suzerain-vassal treaty or suzerain-vassal covenant. That's that first term in number one. Suzerain-vassal, simply think of this. A suzerain is a giant thing, uh, something with a lot of power, an entity with a lot of power, a lot of authority, and then you have a vassal, like a vassal state, these are your subjects, right? And the suzerain vassal agreement or treaty or covenant was these two groups come together under the auspices of God or whoever their God was in ancient Near East culture and say, we're going to make this agreement and it's going to be binding, we're going to swear upon it, there's going to be witnesses, right? That's a suzerain vassal treaty or agreement or covenant. Now, a more modern version of this I actually had this digitally. I went to look for the original. I didn't have it, but um, this is a suzerain vassal contract. It's got an Annex A, which is superseded by Annex B, written in 1997. This is my enlistment contract with the United States Navy. 
when I joined. This is a suzerain vassal contract made via a mediator, my recruiter, right, with the United States government or the United States Navy. They said, we're going to do all these things. You, I, as the vassal, I have to do all these things. There is a date of fulfillment, at which point this contract has been fulfilled by both parties, and it's no longer binding, right? See how this works? Well, guess what? It's not like this is a new fancy idea that came up humans invented. This is a God thing. God invented this process, and we get to see that throughout his entire word. And this is why I said, if you, if you want a quick study of the entire Bible, this might blow your mind. Isaiah. There are 66 books in Isaiah. There are 66 books in the Bible. There are 66 chapters in Isaiah, right? The first 39 chapters in Isaiah, all about the old stuff. The latter 27 chapters, just like the New Testament, are about what's to come. Isaiah is a summary of the entire Bible. So if you want to, ah, I don't know where to start, Isaiah. It's awesome. It's beautiful. Anyway, so in Isaiah, if you want to do a deep Bible study, you would see this. It walks through the same process in Isaiah, all these different covenants. So let's break down the covenants of God, starting with what I refer to. And you see on this list, I gave them a little bit different names, and there's a reason for that. I want you to associate it with the covenant, what was going on, not just the mediator of that particular covenant, because each covenant had a mediator, it had signs, it had obligations and terms, and some of them are so awesome, there are no conditions. They're unconditional covenants. So the Edenic covenant, the covenant of Eden, the covenant with creation itself. And if you didn't know this, in creation, it's not just with man, it's with creation. God makes a covenant with creation. He creates it, it was good. And he tells the animals to be fruitful and multiply. He tells humans to be fruitful and multiply, right? It's, it's with all of creation. This is why at the fall in Genesis 3, there is a pronouncement of judgment on creation itself. Genesis 1, 28. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish and the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and every other living thing that moves on earth. And God said, tree with seed and its fruit, and you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and to every cre thing that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made. Behold, it was very good. And it goes on, and he says, this is my covenant that I'm going to make with man. Man, you can do anything. You have dominion over all of this. Genesis 1 is the general creation count. Genesis 2 zooms in on the Garden of Eden and the creation of man. And now he says to man, you have dominion over this paradise. It is beautiful, the most perfect temperature, the most perfect greens, the most perfect blues, right? Just perfect Cherry tomatoes that are this, no, anyway, um, they probably were, but I won't get into that. Um, the, these, this, so you have dominion over all of this. Just take care of it, and you can do whatever you want except eat from that one tree. I mean, really, think about this. Mankind had one rule. You literally get to rule the world. Don't touch that tree. Ooh, let's go touch that tree, right? I mean, that's, that's how humans work, right? And so, um, that's how we are. Um, and so he's only the tree. So the tree of life is the symbol of the Edenic covenant, or the sign of the Edenic covenant is the tree of life itself. Once that covenant was broken, now God, the God of justice, the God of grace and truth and love, he upholds his end of the covenant every single time. God never breaks his word. God never breaks his covenant. And man, on the other hand, we break them constantly constantly. And because God is just, he must uphold his end of the covenant. Otherwise, he's not just. 
Because God, and when I say just, hear me. It's not saying that our God is a just God. He is the very thing we know as justice. Our God is not a righteous God. He is the very thing for which we say this is righteousness, that is God. Love. He's not a loving God. He is, but it's not. He is the concept which we know as love. These are God. And he says, because of this, there has to be consequence when his contracts are violated. When his covenants are broken, there has to be consequences because he is just. Genesis 3. Here's the consequences. Man, woman, creation. You're booted out of the garden, and you go go out in this, this crazy world now. And then that crazy world gets crazier, and we jump to Genesis 6. Now we have the flood covenant, or the Noahic covenant. So you have Adam and Eve, and creation itself as the mediators of the, of the Edenic covenant. Now we jump into the Noahic covenant, right? Or the covenant of Noah, that he makes with Noah, but it's also with all of mankind. Because I want to say this is not just, this why I want to call it the flood covenant. Because the covenant, while yes, Noah is the mediator of that covenant, technically, it's made with all of mankind. It's made with all of creation, that he will never again destroy the earth. Genesis 6, 17, for behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life, in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark, your sons, your wife, your wife's sons, and your son's wives with you. Eight people. Eight people. Now, every single covenant, this is the beauty of God's word. You have 66 books written by 40 authors over 16, 14 to 1,600 years, and they line up perfectly. They all point to Messiah, all of them. Watch this. The ark, did you know this is called a typology, a, a, a type of thing in the Old Testament that points to something else in the New Testament, in this case, Jesus. The ark itself is a typology of Christ. Watch this. The ark was a gracious act of salvation from God to Noah to save his family. Jesus' death on the cross is a gracious act from God to us to save us if we trust in him. Noah had to trust God and be obedient and build the ark exactly how God said to build it. Those who were on the ark, who abided in the ark, were saved from the wrath of God. Those who abide in Christ are saved from the wrath of God. There was only one door on the ark. Guess what Jesus says he is? The door. And that door was the only way to salvation on the ark. One door, one way in, that's it. Through salvation, one door. Jesus says in John 10, 9, I am the door. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Ark, Jesus. Eight people on the ark. In Greek, gematria, which is numbers used as letters, like the 666, the 777. Guess what spells Jesus? 888. Eight people on the ark. Crazy. And this was written thousands of years before the New Testament. (laughs) The flood was a judgment upon the wicked and was unexpected. Christ's return will come with judgment upon the wicked and is unexpected. I mean, do you see? I could go on. I mean, this is insane. This is supernatural. It is. 
And then after this, the waters subside, uh, the ark comes to a rest, and Noah then will start to begin sacrifices. He gives a sacrifice to the Lord. The aroma is a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Uh, and then we go on to the next one, the covenant of progeny. This is the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant he makes with Abraham. And this is the first one that is unconditional. God says multiple times, I will, I will, I will. I will do all these things. And Abraham, you can trust me because I am a God of my word. I am, I am truth. The very thing we call truth. He is truth. I will do these things. Abraham, you don't have to do anything. Just trust me. There's no terms. There's no conditions. Only blessing. Then the Lord said to Abraham, know for, sure, for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. Then afterward, they will come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and you shall be buried, to, buried in a good old age and they shall come back here in the fourth generation. An unconditional covenant. In, in Genesis 12:3, we see a promise of blessing and redemption that will come through Abraham's progeny, his lineage, his descendants, that is Jesus. As Christians in Romans 11, we are grafted into the promises given to Abraham. Salvation and redemption in Christ. I love the Old Testament. It's so cool. And now we get to the one that most people know about, the Sinai covenant, or the, Sinai, the covenant made with Moses and the people of Israel. This one is also highly conditional. Highly conditional. Lots of conditions in this one. Okay? The mediator is Moses. So we have creation, Abraham, Noah, Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, write these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made my covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. He ate neither bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenants, the Ten Commandments. Did you know that in the Ark of the Covenant, there are three things? One of those things, there's a piece of manna, Aaron's staff, and the Ten Commandments. The rest of the law that was given to Moses at Sinai and repeated again in Deuteronomy, so in Exodus and Deuteronomy, the rest of the law is outside the Ark of the Covenant. Why? In Exodus 31.18, this is the only time God himself writes anything. The finger of God wrote the Ten Commandments in stone. Now Moses broke them, but... Go read that, right? But he, he, this is the only time God himself writes anything. There's no division of the law. Yes, there is. These 10 commandments are the sign of this covenant. They are to be written on our hearts, says Jeremiah, in the new covenant. See how this all, it all ties together so beautifully and supernaturally. God says, I'll write these laws on stone, and then I'll write it in your heart in the new covenant. Everybody will know who I am, Jesus. This covenant was sealed with a sprinkling of blood. Along with the covenants, typically, typically comes a blood sacrifice as well, a sacrifice that will seal the covenant in blood. That's how the weight of these covenants. The covenant of offspring, and I don't have time to go deeply into the rest of these, uh, but the covenant of offspring with David, um, the offspring of David, the promise to David, the covenant made with David is that your lineage, you will have this throne forever, David. Your lineage, your descendants will sit on this throne forever. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, 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 Jesus. All these covenants point to Jesus. They're all foreshadowings of the new covenant 
Now we're back to Jeremiah 31. And the writer of Hebrews says, this is the better covenant with the better mediator, the better king, the better law, Everything about this new covenant, as Jeremiah says, will not be like the old ones. Why? This one is perfect. This one is forever. And never and ever and ever and ever and ever. The sacrifice that comes along with this covenant, one and done. Jesus' blood spilled as the perfect lamb for sacrifice. In the old covenant, in the Mosaic covenant, the sacrifices and the offerings had to be offered time and time and time and time and time again. The high priest could enter the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle or the temple once a year. That's it, one time a year, and they had to do blood sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings, all these offerings. In the new covenant, Jesus, done. Once and for all. He is the new priest. He is the better priest. In the new covenant, which is the better covenant, which comes with a new law, which is the better law, everything about the new covenant, the messianic covenant, is better. Everything. This is in Hebrews. So now... marriage. If you caught it, in Jeremiah, God said that he will be like, or that Israel was like, though I was their husband, married to an adulterous bride. Adulterous that they went after idols constantly. Under Babylonian captivity, they could not wait to get out of Babylonian captivity. When Persian, the Medo-Persian captivity came, they're like, oh, thank you, God. We'll never worship idols again until the next time we do. <laughs> right? So I want to I transition to communion. We're going to do it a little bit differently today. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says, if you don't have the elements, please grab them. If you are not a believer, I would ask you to abstain. Not because I say it or because LifePoint says it, but because the Bible says it. The communion is with the fellowship of believers. Those of us who follow Christ, leave the lights up. Those of us who follow Christ... 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself and then so eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. We're going to receive this together, but don't open the cup yet because I want to expand on something that's going to blow your minds. Heavenly Father, as we break this bread, may we examine ourselves. God, show us our hearts. Reveal to us our sins so that we may place them at the foot of the cross and receive forgiveness. May we be washed white in the blood of the Lamb as we remember your body broken for us, Jesus, voluntarily so that we can know you. As we eat this bread, may we be remembered this constantly in your name. Amen. Now the cup. In Luke 22... Here in Corinthians, 
Jesus says, this is the blood, the cup of the new covenant established in my blood. Well, I want to teach you something. In the Hebrew marriage ceremony, the Hebrew boy, if he met a girl, he wanted to marry. That is called, the, the betrothal is called a kiddushin. The kiddushin is when he would say to this young girl, I love you, I want to marry you. He would sit down typically with the father of the bride and negotiate a bride price. And once that was negotiated and the price was settled upon, the groom, the potential bridegroom, would sit down with a potential bride and he would offer her a cup of wine and essentially say, I am offering you this covenant with me with our fathers, with our mothers, with our families as witnesses. And in Hebrew tradition, this was a big celebration. The kiddushin is as binding as legally as marriage is today in our culture. The betrothal, legally binding. I offer you this cup. Your father and I negotiated this price. See where I'm going with this? There is no accident that this is the ceremony that Jesus uses in Luke 22, 20. When he says, this is the cup of my covenant, the new covenant made, the price paid was blood. His life poured out to seal the covenant. It's the price of the covenant. All of this is the Hebrew Kiddushin marriage tradition. And he would present that cup to the bride and she would voluntarily decide if the terms of that covenant and the price was worthy enough for her hand in marriage. It was presented in love, trust, faith. The terms of the covenant would later be written on what's called the ketubah, the marriage contract. Written down, sealed. With a father as a witness. Jesus at the Last Supper says to his disciples, church, this is us. He is saying, we are the bride of Christ. He is our bridegroom. He is saying, I am offering this cup to you, the cup of my covenant. Here are the terms, believe in me, and you shall have everlasting life. Jesus, that sounds like kind of a lopsided deal. (laughs) And he says, it is. In fact, this covenant is so serious that my father wanted this covenant to be taken so seriously that I paid for it with my, I'm going to pay for it with my life. It's going to be sealed in my blood forever. This covenant is so serious that God knew that the only way this covenant would be upheld is if he did all the work. This is why Jesus is God. He has to be God because mankind throughout all of history has violated God's covenants over and over and over again. And God knew from the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world, that the only way this covenant was going to be upheld is if he did all the work. Jesus says, I am offering you this covenant. If you drink from this and you accept this covenant, it comes with terms and conditions that you don't have to fulfill. I'm doing all the work for you. I have done it for you. Do this in remembrance of this covenant I am making with you. 
Now, before we drink, I want you to know what would happen is after the wife, the soon-to-be wife, the bride, would drink from this cup, accept his covenant, check this out. I'm going to try not to cry because this is so awesome. The husband-to-be, the new bridegroom, would leave. They would be separated for sometimes up to a year when guess what he would do? He would go back to his father's house and prepare a room for this new couple. He would leave and go back to his father's house to prepare a room for them. He would not communicate with his bride during this time. Instead, he would send an emissary, his most trusted friend. Jesus said, when I leave, I am leaving behind my spirit. What? And we read Luke twenty-two twenty. 20, oh yeah, it was covered in his blood, yeah. No, there is so much more here. He has left and he has gone to prepare a place for his bride. Church, we are the bride of Christ. We are his bride. Are we in the covenant of grace? Absolutely. Are we free from obedience? Absolutely not. There are terms and conditions that we don't have to uphold, that we can't uphold, that we won't uphold. But we still have to be obedient. In a marriage covenant, the kiddushin and the nisuin is the consummation of that marriage. When the bridegroom returns, when the father says to the groom, okay, son, it's time to go back. Nobody knows when that's going to happen. The son goes back to gather his bride to himself and take them home to their new place. Right? It literally gives me chills. Jesus will return again to gather his bride to himself. And if you're in this room right now and you don't count yourself in the body of Christ, I beg you, consider this. I beg you, dig into this. Study this for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Study it for yourself. And Jesus is offering you this cup of his covenant in his blood, paid for with his life, sealed in his blood, so that we can be made clean. Our robes are washed white in the blood of the lamb. Amen. Would you drink with me? Father God, I thank you. I thank you for your word. For offering us the cup of the new covenant in the name of your son Jesus, who paid the price for us, who sealed this covenant in his blood so that we may be in relationship and communion with you forever and ever and ever. God, you revealed this to us in your word. God, show us more. Give us more. Give us a fresh pair of eyes to see your word differently in a new way as we begin to study and just continue to dig in deeper into your word. Holy Spirit, reveal new truths to us constantly that come from your word alone. We thank you and we praise you and we do all things in the name of Jesus. Amen.